Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode. This is Jamie Malm. I'm your host, and I've got on the line with me today my co-host, Josh Watson, and a special guest for you. Mike Alimo from Elevate Financial. Welcome, guys. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Yeah. So Josh and I had a chance to do part one of this episode last week. And if you have not had a chance to listen yet, I encourage you to go back and play that one first, because we talked about the number one used prospecting method for all of our advisors in 2020, which I think came as a surprise to many. It was a webinars. And we promised that for part two of this podcast episode, we'd bring in an expert to talk a little bit about what the agents did that make webinars work versus those that just felt continually frustrated trying to get people to show up and really make those work to their advantage. So Mike, we're excited to have you on today. Thanks for joining. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. So I want to jump right in a little bit and talk about some of the mistakes that you saw people make with webinars. If you had to boil it down to like the top one or two mistakes, did did you see something that just happened over and over again that was tripping people up? Absolutely. And I think the number one, and I hate to call it a mistake, it's really more of a piece of a learning curve because our whole industry went through this period of trying to reinvent our wheel, really. The biggest mistake that I saw was not necessarily a technical mistake, but more of a mindset mistake on advisors, which was directly comparing webinars to what they knew which was in-person seminars that they've been holding for the last 20 years. And, you know, you're taking an advisor who's, you know, some of our clients still use paper calendars, believe it or not. And you're trying to get them up to speed on, all right, John, now you have to try to focus on building a virtual business. And I think it was really the mindset issue initially where a lot of those old school advisors had that problem. You know, the, the, the webinars are, are, are a totally different tool. And the truth is, you know, for me, I've built my business virtually. And my clients are, the average age of an advisor is 57. So it's definitely possible to run a virtual business. And we've seen many advisors in the industry take these and run with them. And they have success. And then the question comes, you know, well, what are we doing wrong, like you're saying? Um, I think the first step is definitely a mindset shift that I really encourage our advisors to make. When you see these registration lists for the webinars, I want you to think of that list as, as a lead generation list, as a call list and try to get those people on the phone because we're in a very personable business, you know, and that, that person to person connection really can make or break that sale. So we have to take this virtual, avenue and try to make it as personable as possible. So there's a few technical things, obviously we, you know, (laughs) 
not only the advisors, but the marketing companies as, as well really got turned on their heads, you know, and there was a matter of three weeks where my company had to go from marketing in-person seminars, doing what we've been doing really well for over three and a half years. And in three weeks, totally reinventing our marketing funnel for our advisors. Um, so we, you know, we personally went through those technical errors, figuring out, okay, how do we make it effective? How do we get people to attend? Um, and then as well as the advisors is again, that mindset shift and creating a virtual business. I want to stop here because I know I'm guilty of this, Josh. I don't know if you kind of remember how you positioned this back in March, but I think we all kind of fell prey to thinking webinars would be a, a direct substitute for seminars. And it's unfair really to think of it like that. It's just such a different dynamic from getting somebody to leave their home, come to an event, spend two hours face to face with you, have a chance to really build some initial rapport to let me scroll through social media. That looks interesting. I'll click on it and expect them to have the same type of stickiness. And I think we were guilty of setting that up incorrectly, of setting expectations up correctly and incorrectly. And as we you know, went through a couple of months of the pandemic and realized what webinars were, they're a lead generation, especially those that you're trying to do live events for. So when you talk about a calling list, totally agree. And our agents that adapted quickly to that, I think had huge success because they used it like, okay, I just got somebody to pop their head up as a lead, not I'm gonna treat this like a seminar attendee. Right, the analogy uh, I say to advisors, oh, sorry, Josh, the analogy I I draw for advisors is webinars are the cold call version of an in-person event. And yeah, and to kind of add to that, Jamie, I would say one one of the things we were guilty of is we would look at somebody that advertised uh, an in-person seminar digitally. And we knew you didn't quite get the numbers, the same type of numbers you would from a mailer. So if you got 30 people to sign up, about half of them would actually attend. Well, we kind of used those numbers when it came to the digital workshops and it was like, okay, you're going to do this online. You get 30 people to sign up, 15 are going to attend. Well, it didn't really work out that way in a lot of instances. So I think that's, uh, you know, like Mike was saying, not really a mistake, but part of that learning curve that we all had to get through. Yeah, agreed. One thing that I really enjoyed seeing advisors adapt to was options to move away from doing the, trying to do the live events and take advantage of the efficiency and the effectiveness that we saw with recording events. And Josh, you and I spoke last week about a starting point for agents that maybe haven't taken advantage of doing webinars, which could be as simple as just recording on your own iPad, making it available via email or on your website or what have you. Um, Mike, I the reason we asked you to come for part two of this is for those that want to expand on that a bit, maybe help step up their game a little and get help with pre-recorded webinars. Tell us a little bit about the software and kind of the setup that you use to make those recordings look like it's live. Yeah, absolutely. There is a lot of benefits of pre-recording and 
it boils down to the ability to eliminate human error. So we have unlimited amount of times to try to perfect the presentation. And, you know, the idea of making it appear live is just really making sure that you're not mentioning the weather or the time of day or, <laughs> you know, recent events and keeping your introduction and your closing somewhat generic where it can be used across, you know, six or seven different events or different times of day. The softwares, a lot of webinar softwares out there do offer some sort of recording capabilities. We have stuck with one in particular, the webinar software we use is called Big Marker. And so how we kind of create these pre-recorded events to scene live is literally getting on the webinar with the client and telling them, okay, look, just make sure you're not mentioning any recent events. Let's make sure the blinds are closed. <laughs> just have a plain background. Cause if you have a, a webinar recording and it's a sunny day out and it gets played on a day, then it's raining kind of an awkward situation. So as long as we eliminate those things, and again, like I said, we have the ability to eliminate human error, even coming down to the presentation itself. If you feel as the advisor, hey, I didn't really perfect my closing that time, we can do it again. There's nothing wrong with just running through that again. And it doesn't have to be the whole presentation. It's a recording. So if you feel like there's five slides where maybe you didn't really get it right, we can redo that. Big marker is a way where we can just allow the advisor really at this point in, in the industry, it's look, we're going to get you set up. We'll hang out in the background, do your thing, and we'll talk to you in 45 minutes. Like I said, the, the webinar is the cold call version of an in-person event. So we want to keep things really small, small enough. We don't want to take too much out, but we want to take the fluff out of the presentation. And just like a good book, you know, you might learn four or five different things out of it, but there's 200 pages. So the question is, what can we risk taking out without taking away the meaning behind the presentation? So for Social Security, as an example, do you need to spend time on talking about divorce and widows in that presentation, just as a, a general idea in the Social Security realm? Maybe, maybe not. Um, we probably want to focus the bulk of that presentation on delayed tactics and taxation of Social Security as an example. So recording it is fairly easy. You know, it, it's we're not doing anything in, above and beyond what you would think is, you know, outside of your the individual capabilities. It's pretty simple. It's just putting you behind the computer and telling you to give the presentation that you've probably been giving for a handful of years. The only thing that we're really trying to take out is some of the fluff so we can reduce time. Because with webinars, the statistics, now that we have, you know, a solid almost coming on a year, our first webinar was March 1st of 2020. So we almost have a full year worth of data to look back. And when you look at the statistics, are attendees important? Absolutely. But what I look at is because even some of the non-attendees still convert into actual written business for the advisor is how much are they watching? And of that amount of time, how much are they actually paying attention? And typically what we see is a drastic drop off at about the 35, 40 minute mark. 
on average. So when you're thinking about pre-recording the webinars, you do it right one time, you spend a lot of time in the beginning getting it right, but then after that, you set it and forget it. You don't have to keep re-recording them unless you do another topic. So if you record Social Security, we can use that recording every time. And the truth is the way we advertise, we're able to eliminate any past registrations. So everybody on that list, ideally, not 100% accurate, but ideally that list is only going to contain people that have never interacted with that event before. So the only time that you would have to do a new recording is when you do a new topic. So let's say you go to Empowering Women as an example. That would be a time where you want to do the recording again. I'm surprised that the data showed 35 to 40 minutes was the time frame that they hung on. I would think that's a really long time to sit in front of your computer. I was guessing it was going to be more like 15 or 20. Do you have people doing more like a 20 minute webinar? Yeah, so ideally what I will tell them is 35 is the max. But Mm -hmm. that's just when the majority of people drop off. The drop off starts at 20 minutes. Yeah. So you've got that first 20 minutes. And the thing to think about too, Jamie, is you have to present your first call to action in that 20 minutes. Most advisors wait till the end of the presentation to even mention booking an appointment. But with the pre-recorded webinars, you have to do that in the first 20 minutes. If okay, you so don't, you're missing out on that opportunity, you know? I want to ask you something there because the software that you use, one of the advantages of using Elevate and having you on there helping them is there's all this functionality inside the software that can be really overwhelming if you're trying to use it on your own. One of those being um, like pop-up offers or polls or surveys. Talk a little bit about how you can use those to pop up throughout the presentation to create some engagement and maybe get somebody locked into wanting more info, even if they're not going to hang on for 20, 30 minutes. Absolutely. Yeah. So in the digital world, we want to make as few as steps as possible to get to the end result. And a great example is with Amazon. Now they have the one click buy, which I'm guilty of falling trapped to basically every weekend. I spend too much time. Exactly. (laughs) But they figured out how to get you to an end customer as quickly as possible. So we do that in the same regard. What we'll have our advisors do is have some sort of calendar scheduling app. I use Calendly. Jamie, I think you do as well. That's just the one we use here in our office. It's a great product. What it allows the attendees to do is books 30 or 15 minute slots on the advisor's calendar at their own leisure. So what we do is as the presentation is going on, we automate pop-ups and they're just quite literally small pop-ups that show up during the webinar at specific times that we tell it to where the attendees can actually interact with that and schedule time on your calendar. You can book, you can show what times you have that are available to book. You can put, you know, non-availabilities, things like that. So you can really work around your actual calendar, but that's one of the many ways. The other ways is let's say we do have the attendees stay until the very end. We can do an end of webinar survey. And what the survey is, is just a digital version of an evaluation form. 
and eval forms have been a tool that many advisors have used for years to tell who to call and who not to call when it comes to booking appointments for their in-person events. So we're kind of taking that, what we've learned, and incorporating that into the digital realm as well. So thinking about those evaluation forms, I don't know. I, I don't know why I've not thought of this before, Josh. Maybe you have some people in mind that already do this, but if you do an online, let me back up. If you did an in-person survey, you filled out an evaluation form, a lot of advisors would, you know, do a drawing or they'd have a little giveaway or something for turning those in. Do you do something similar in the digital world? Do you have advisors that are doing a giveaway for turning in that survey at the end? We have, yeah. And we've found that it does definitely help. We have tested both a sort of like gimme for attending the event, which was, in my opinion, not really a great hit. But we did do the opposite, which was offering something to fill out the evaluation form. And we found that a lot of people stayed till the end and actually filled out the form. Again, the biggest thing is with the advisors, they filled out the evaluation form. They're not in appointment yet. That's right. why you need to treat this as a call list because you still have to get on the phone and call and go after these people. But the evaluation form was a great starting point because the first question on there is, what is your biggest concern? And so we will list income, taxes, you know, et cetera, to find out how qualified is this lead or what are they qualified for? So if you're an advisor that, you know, primarily does estate planning, you're going to know going into this, do they fit the bill for what I work with? Or if you're just a general retirement planner, you're going to know right away, okay, income, social security. We need to talk social security and maybe this is going to position an annuity. And it's the same way that you look at an evaluation format for in person. You have to call them. That's the biggest missing piece. So one of the things that always worked really well with our in-person seminars was having a specific call to action with each section. So there was a tangible report that we would offer. You'd stand up, you'd hold it, they'd see it, and they could request it you know, on their appointment sheet right there. What if we did in the software like a pop-up or a poll or a, you know, a set at, at each section, could we offer you know, a fill this out or say yes or whatever the verbiage is if they want information specific to that topic? Yes, absolutely. So the great thing about working with my company is we offer a lot of personalization and personalization and transparency is really our niche in the market. So the advisor has the opportunity to customize this experience as much as they want. So if there's certain pieces in the presentation that say, hey, this is where it, it really resonates with me. We can create custom offers for each of those portions, still send them to the same calendar scheduler, but mm -hmm. you'll know where they signed up. So for the advisor, you'll know, hey, this is really what they're looking for. Um, and that will help the, the customer process as well, because you're gonna be speaking directly with the 15 or 30 minutes that you get about what it is they wanna hear about. And so that really helps you then further that sales process a little bit more. So I'm not an expert in big marker at all, but I do remember as I was looking into this, um, kind of the beginning part of the pandemic last year, 
it, I seem to remember there's a setting on there somewhere where you can make it look like live questions are coming in. And those of you that are kind of controlling the setup of that, you could actually be answering questions too. Or you could even make it look like there's 500 people on the webinar if you wanted. Uh, tell me a little bit about the components there, if I'm remembering that right. Sure, absolutely. So BigMarker is really intuitive and there's a reason why we landed with that software versus the other ones because we started with GoToWebinar and then quickly learned that it wasn't the best option for us. It might be for other people, but where BigMarker comes in is the ability to use more and more tools. So pop-ups and surveys are just one example of that. There's also, like you're saying, the automation side of the house where we can automate questions and answers. What this does is for the attendees, it's showing engagement. And the reason why it matters and why you might want to consider it is, would you rather give a, a presentation to 50 or 100 people? 100 people is double the amount of people. It really shows that you're a credible source. There's nothing wrong with talking in front of 50, but in front of 100, you're really getting that extra added social approval of your credibility. So what some of the automation does is also allows to really bump up the quality of the production. And it allows for the advisor to make a little bit more customized experience. It's still pre-recorded, but they can say, hey, we're doing a quick Q&A session at the end here. It looks like Susan's asking about delay tactics. Should she wait till 70? Whatever the case is, the advisor answers, answers the questions that are pre-recorded, but to the attendees, it might feel like a little bit more of a live experience. And again, back to that personable level, we wanna make this as personable as possible. So that can help for sure. But I think at the most basic level, if you're gonna be doing webinars, the biggest thing is a call to action in the first 20 minutes. And that call to action should be some sort of schedule or calen you know, calendar link to get them on your calendar. Okay, that's really good. I have a question now, and you've touched on this, but the typical course of action to set an appointment, um, you know, we might, we always promote, of course, having a tangible report and offering, but at the end, most people do try to generically offer like a one hour free consultation. I found that that doesn't work very well with webinars. Are, are you finding the same? And what do you recommend for the, the final call to action at the end? So like I said, and the reason I say that uh, to sound like a, a broken record, webinars are the cold call version of an event. The reason I say that is because a one hour generic consultation is probably not gonna, it's, it, it's not gonna go anywhere in my opinion. Where you're gonna have more luck is in a 15 or 30 minute discovery call. That's why I've said 15 or 30 minutes. Yep. Cause you're grabbing them for a shorter amount of time. There's less commitment, which let's face it, webinars are less committal. I don't have to drive to the library at 6.30 to come listen to you. I can listen to you in my living room. So if we get them on a lower point of commitment, as long as the advisor is good at what they do and make that offer a little bit more tailored to what they're actually consuming, hey, let's talk for 15 minutes. I wanna get your information. 
to process a social security maximization report. Very specific on time, what I need and what you're getting. A shorter, more direct call to action with webinars is going to be more effective in the long run. And like I said, it's pre-recorded. so guess what? You can try that a thousand times before we have a final product. And so that's really, you know, getting into the technical part of it of how do we take a beginning level, entry level, and then take the next step to a much more fine level of production. And that's, that's the type of conversations and the types of things that if an advisor really says, okay, look, you know, last year, crazy, but I want to take what we learned and incorporate it, even if we're going back to in-person events, that's the sort of stuff that will take them to that next level with webinars for sure. I know that's something that you provide a lot of support and training on. And if anybody's listening to this thinking, you know, that those phone skills or setting up the, you know, right expectations or just having that initial phone call rather than sitting face to face is uncomfortable for you. Uh, early last spring, I recorded a podcast episode with Chuck Lucius, who is the owner of Gradient. Um, and he he and I talked through of softening that verbiage and rather than trying to get them to commit to this big one hour consultation, how you set it up correctly, what kind of words, the tone, what you say, how detailed you get. Um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that because that is excellent training and ties right in with what you're saying, Mike, which is, you know, let's let's not put the cart before the horse. People are not ready for a one hour consultation after watching a 20 minute webinar review. We've got to start smaller and do this incrementally. So that's a really good point. Yeah, I like to put myself in the shoes of the, the attendees. And for those who don't know me, I started my career as a junior advisor. And so I have that unique perspective, even though it was for a short time of where the advisors are coming from. And I, I get it. It is frustrating to have 10 people in attendance and then you offer an hour consultation and no one books because you're used to how seminars are ran and what you were getting out of that. But again, like I said in the beginning, that was the biggest mistake. You have to treat this as just a different avenue of lead generation. It's not a seminar. And if you can make that disconnection, that's when things start to open up for these, in my opinion. Yeah, that's really good. So Josh, how are you feeling about the range of options here? We talked about, you know, something as simple as recording on an iPad to getting really detailed with, you know, a third party resource like Mike and, and using a vendor. So I think um, if you're gonna do the recorded one, I would definitely call Mike and use that big marker it sounds like that's the way to go there. Um, so I think it cuts down a lot of the time. Like, think about it. He just, Mike's had a whole year that he's been doing this. So you think about the learning curve he's gone through. I think using somebody like Mike definitely gives you the biggest uh, chance to have good success with it. So I would, I would lean on his expertise and use him to, uh, to guide you along. I think that's a great idea. And we have um, 
Mike, just so you know, we provide information on our third-party affiliates. So if you want more info on Elevate Financial, you can find that on Basecamp. It's in the Critical Communications third-party guidebook. Um, but Mike, tell us if somebody's listening and, and they want to really up their game here this year for webinars and, and do things the right way, how do they get in touch with you? What do you recommend their next steps are? Absolutely. So the, the best way to get in touch with us is through the phone and our first step is a 30 minute conversation to talk about what it is that our process actually looks like, how it adds value to your either seminar or webinar practice. And then we get some context for you to make sure that we can sort of eliminate any mistakes or any areas where we can improve on for you. Um, and the best way to do that is call in our office. Our office line is 425 358-4547. We are on the West Coast. I do get up at five, but our office phone lines open at eight Pacific, which is 11 Eastern. Awesome. Mike, really valuable information. We appreciate you being on with us today. Thank you again, everybody for joining. If you felt like this information was valuable, please go take a minute, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate the support. Thanks everyone.